You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. at Cork and Carey at 106th and Western Southside Irish Parade. My name is Chris. Ed is not here. So Jordan Lazowski from Soxon 35th is filling in and we are having a blast, Jordan. Oh, absolutely. Incredible to be here. First time at the parade. So uh, enjoying this one big time. Yeah, shaking hands. John Cangelosi was just hanging out with us. And I, we're having a great time out here at the Cork. Uh, it was just an amazing parade. It's a beautiful day outside. And we have White Sox baseball to talk about. So that's what we're going to do on this show. And we're also going to replay all of the guests that were part of our $1,000 guest bounty on this program today so that you can check them out. Voting starts this week, and somebody's winning $1,000 from Elite Benefits of America. The entire show brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Anything that has to do with keeping water out of your basement, your foundation issues, uh, you got seepage, you got bowing walls, you need to have the sump pump checked out. They're going to take care of it. You want to protect your home, protect that basement. I have a basement that's got a bar in it. I don't want anything to happen to it. That's why Family Waterproofing Solutions takes care of me. They are available 24-7, 365. Check out all they have to offer and see what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. I got a direct message. Lizzo and the kids, they call it a DM, Jordan. I had a guy slide into my DMs. Is that how you say it? Is that gross? That was the lingo. I was waiting for you to say it. That's the lingo. There you know, I don't know what it means, <laughs> but a guy slid into my DMs 24 hours before Joe Kelly was signed and told me that he had a relative who was a best friend of Joe's relative, and they were like, we're coming to the south side. Two years, 17 million is what I heard in that DM. I don't know if it's been announced officially what he got, but is that what it is? It is two for 17 officially with an option. Look at that. Slid right in the DMs and had the information, and the reasoning they gave for it not being announced because they were, Sox were holding it back was this fear that it would devalue the the Kimbrough market. Now, if you think about that, that's a game of telephone, but there's got to be some truth to that. Is signing Joe Kelly make it like teams think we have to get rid of Kimbrough now, or do we stand around and say we've got the greatest bullpen ever, and once we make it to the fifth inning, you're all screwed? Like, uh, how do you see it? You can play it either way, but honestly, there's some truth to that DM. You know, whether it's husband, sister's brother, cousin half removed, whatever it is, there's some truth to it that, you know, if you look at it, the Sox have so many back end of the bullpen type options, you almost have to look at it as, you know, Kimbrell becomes way more expendable, and other teams know that. So you got to look at it from the fact of, you know, there's definitely some truth to, hey, we would have rather traded Kimbrell first but had this deal locked down at the same time so that you could trade him, and teams didn't know what you already had planned. So I, I do see some truth to that. Joe Kelly, though, total south side. I mean, I love how Sox on 35th, their social media immediately put a White Sox jersey on him when he was making faces at the Astros. Like, this guy's a south sider. Like, I don't know how you could be mad about Joe Kelly being on your team. Did you see anybody? Like, you always interact with people on Twitter who are unreasonable and irrational. Did anybody have a problem with this? I'll be honest, no. I mean, it was either you liked him because he's a good pitcher or you liked him because he hates the Astros. Like, <laughs> either way, people love this guy. And, and, you know, you look to the deeper about, about what he's going to provide, that's the sort of guy that, you know, you put him anywhere. He's got closing experience. He's got 
middle relief experience with the Dodgers, that's what you need. I, I have not seen a person who's like, yeah, I hate this move because it's a good move on paper, absolutely. We are going to talk a little bit about the second baseman the White Sox signed. Is he going to play every day? Will Tony screw this up and bat him second? We've got so much to talk about and what they're going to do next, but the first guy of three that you'll be able to vote for for the best guest of the offseason in the $1,000 guest bounty, we're going to put David Sampson up, general manager of the past 16 years in the front office, came on the show, a listener got him on here. He talked a little bit about his relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf, a little bit about how CBAs go, he wasn't wrong very often throughout this entire process in this horrible offseason that luckily is over. But here's a little clip of David. David Sampson will be one of the three you can vote for. The winner, the person that got them on, wins $1,000 from Elite Benefits of America and socks in the basement. Here he is. Carlos reached out to us. Uh, Carlos A. I'm, I don't want to throw out last names if the guy doesn't want his last name out there. 35-year-old White Sox fan. And you were telling me before we started talking that uh, you have no idea who Carlos is. Like, he's just a fan of your show. And he reached out and he said, can you come on this White Sox podcast? And you were like, I'm in. So here's, I have a Twitter account at David T. Sampson and my DMs are open. And this all actually goes back to childhood. I'm the guy who was applying for a credit card at nine years old because I thought that would be cool and writing letters to credit card companies. I'm the guy who, when I, I ran my first marathon at 28, I called both Philip Morris and McDonald's to sponsor me. And I said, hey, I'll smoke cigarettes at mile 16 and show people that it's okay to smoke and be a runner, or I'll eat a quarter pounder. I swear to God, I wrote that letter. And I said, or I'll eat a quarter pounder every day for training. And this was before Supersize Me. And I'll eat a McDonald's quarter pounder during a marathon. And I heard back from both companies saying, no, we don't think that's a good fit for us. And I'm the guy who always wanted to be in the room where it happened. And I always wanted to just talk to people who were where I wanted to be. So when I got the job in baseball and I got it purely because of nepotism, but I kept it because I worked my ass off and I kept it for 18 years because I ended up being good at it. But I always had my door open because people would want to come talk to me. And I didn't want to be the person who was out of reach, out of touch, because that's what I grew up with and what I grew up around. I have a funny little side story. I worked at Morgan Stanley and my boss, like three levels up from me or five levels up from me at Morgan Stanley on Wall Street, he would never give me a meeting. And I always wanted to meet with him because I wanted to be him. And he would never let me talk to him. Then I leave Morgan Stanley and I become the president. I win a World Series and we're building a ballpark and the team is gaining in value. And that same guy called me asking whether or not I'd be willing to use Morgan Stanley as a banker. And of course, I told him to bugger off. I said, of course, I'm not going to use you. Do you remember how you treated me? And so I never wanted to be like that. So when I ran the Marlins, my office door was open and I would meet with anyone. All you had to do was make an appointment. And now that I'm on Twitter, my DMs are open. And when people DM me, I try to answer. And I try to answer questions on the show, nothing personal. I try to engage when I can. Of course, you can't answer everyone because there's thousands, literally. So this guy just asked a question on Twitter. said, hey, do you want to go on the Sox podcast? He never mentioned that I recall that he could win money. Oh, yeah, he can win a grand, Dave. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Now that I know that, if this guy wins... My rate is $1,001 for this show. So he's going to be in a negative net position of a dollar. 
but that's just business, right? I'm just kidding, of course. <laughs> that's awesome. I want him to win. I think it's totally cool. And anytime I can do something to help a listener, because they give me 45 minutes of their time every day. So if I can do something in return, I'm always happy to do it. Well, and, and you know, you could, of course, nominate your own guest to put on the show and just win the $1,000 yourself. Just because you've been on doesn't mean... Yeah, you can now, you can be in it. Just find yeah. it somebody else. And it just kind of, it's like a domino effect. That would be, that would be actually awesome. I want to, I know, I know Ed's got a list of questions here, but oh, we've yeah. got to ask it because... I remember talking about it two years ago, and I hope you don't mind me asking the question, but I kind of have to. If I don't, everybody's going to sit there and say, why didn't you ask him about it? So a couple of years ago, you know, before the world went crazy or crazier than it already was, uh, you went on, uh, I think, Dan Levitard's podcast, and you said that in your first year of baseball, Jerry Reinsdorf, he said his best advice to you was finish in second place every year because your fans will say, wow, we've got a shot, we're in it, but there's always the carrot left there's always one more step to take. And then he got very upset and said, I never said anything like that. And and I remember back when we talked about it that I said, you know what, this could have just been like, you know, talk at like a meeting. Like, you know, you have a couple of drinks and you start shooting your mouth off and you make a joke and everybody laughs and you might have just intended to just tell a funny story. How how accurate was that? And w- what was it? Was it tongue in cheek when he said that to you? Or do you think that was his real philosophy? Well, it was definitely real, definitely accurate, and there was no tongue and there were no cheeks. Wow. But I do want to give it context. I met Jerry when I was when I was a, a like a, in high school, because as the owner of the Bulls, he sat two rows in front of where I sat uh, whenever the Bulls played the Knicks. So the owner, the opposing team's owner's seats were two rows in front of me, and I was a very loud, obnoxious fan, like a heckler, like the old. Um, like, like the, I would never swear, I was never rude, but I was very on point getting owners where it hurts about overpaid players, about things that the teams are doing wrong. I had no idea what my future would be. I was a kid in high school. So I was all over Jerry Krause, I mean, constantly. So Reinsdorf at one point said to my mother, like, you're going to kill this guy. Like, stop, you're literally going to kill him. So years passed. And I walked into my first owner's meeting as, as executive vice president of the Montreal Expos. And I walk in and Reinsdorf looks at me and says, you're that kid. <laughs> and I said, yes, I am, Jerry. How you doing? And he ended up being a mentor. And I, I love him so much. He is such a unbelievable man who wants to win so badly. He always wanted to have as many rings with the White Sox as he had with the Bulls. He's very misunderstood as are many owners in terms of what his desires are, but he's also a businessman. And when I was with the Expos, that's what he said to me. And I get it. Having run a team for 18 years, I totally understand what he meant because when we won the World Series in 03, the expectation gets ratcheted up. You have to repeat. You have to somehow keep that window of competition open. You have to do better than you've done. And how do you ever do better? Because at the end of every year, there's 29 losers and only one winner. But if you're in second place, that means you're not tanking, right? It means that you're have, you've had a competitive September where you're in it and the fans are interested and there's still more to do. So fans will come back and buy season tickets and sponsors will be interested. So really the frame reference was, Hey, it's being in last place stinks. Winning the world series is amazing, but then it's what have you done for me lately? So I respect what he said. And I, I just want to give it some frame of reference. So you shouldn't get on Jerry for that because he's damn right. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. 
And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Cork and Carry, 106th and Western. We love these guys. Cork and Carry at the park. Do not forget the place to be pre-game, post-game, during the game, during White Sox games, home games, away games, go watch them there. They rent the place out. You can have a big baseball party there. I would imagine we're going to be there at some point opening week. Got to talk to Bill Guy to hear the owner at some point today if I can find him because this place is a zoo, Jordan. Jordan Lazowski sitting with me here from Sox on 35th. Are you enjoying the live event? Uh, we've done a bunch of them. I don't know how many Sox on 35th has done. Yeah, we've done a few tailgates. This is the first one inside a bar that I can remember. This is fun. Yeah. It's fun getting to interact with people, getting to see people out and doing things again. It's, it's a cool time. Great thing about it is the bouncers. Like, I don't have to worry about security. I don't have to worry about somebody getting too drunk. Like, they, they have all that. We just get to stand around and drink and talk with people. It makes it so much easier. Oh, it's so much fun. It's just doing your thing, doing the socks talk, and uh, having a good time at the same time. That's all that matters. All right, so what did you think about this signing at second base? Josh Harrison. Uh, now, Ed reminded me the moment that the deal went through. He sent me a text. He's like, before you react one way or another, remember, Chris, you said you liked Josh Harrison last year. And I was like, I did? He's like, you wanted him over Cesar Hernandez. And that's true. He's not what I wanted in the offseason. But I'm glad they at least went defensively and they didn't stick with Leary. He looks like he's the everyday guy. What did you think of it? I think he'll start as the everyday guy. I think you'll have to accept the fact that Leary Garcia is still going to play a lot of games. But I'm of the opinion that right field, given that there are good solutions out there on the free agent market that should be within price range, I'm of the opinion that those are the types of guys that the stock should be targeting. Now, Josh Harrison and Leary Garcia are not long-term second base options. So now you have two schools of thought. Either you wait until Rami Gonzalez or uh, Colson Montgomery or, or those types of guys really establish themselves, Jose Rodriguez, another name, or you go external next offseason, see if there's any more price-willing options for the White Sox then. It didn't make sense for me for the Sox to try and solve second base long-term this offseason, but this is a good first step towards shoring it up for this year. So I had a conspiracy theory. The fact they held back the Joe Kelly announcement, even though it seems as though he was signed based upon what slid into my DMs. I love that phrase. Okay. And and then they were holding it back. And then they go and they sign Harrison. It was shortly after Chris Bassett gets dealt. And I know there was some smoke around the White Sox trying to get an ace pitcher. I don't know. Maybe I'm just nuts. But it kind of felt like something happened in the trademark where the White Sox were like, okay, it is what it is. We're going with Harrison at second base, announce the Kelly thing, and then we're going to we're gonna pick up the pieces and go with plan B. Did you feel like maybe something happened they, they struck out on? 
there's a reason for everything that comes out. They're, they're so planned out with what you leak to the media, what they know is so planned. So yeah, there's, there's something going on in the background. I think they were absolutely in on the Bassett market. Probably decided, hey, we don't have a young guy like the Mets do that the A's really love. So we're going to have to pivot. Sean Mania might be a guy where he's a little less expensive than Bassett that the Sox might be in range for. But everything that's done is done with a purpose. I don't think there's any reason or there's there's a reason why the White Sox decided to leak that information as soon as they uh, saw that Bassett was traded. Let's talk to our second. We're going to go back to one of our other guests for the $1,000 guest bounty. Jake Berger was on the show. Remember when he was trolling people saying that uh, he was working out at second base. It doesn't look like he's got that job now, Jordan. No, not right now, but you know, <laughs> yeah, stranger things have happened, trust me. Take a listen to him. Jake was playing for his own charity, Burger Bombs, so if you pick him, they're getting $1,000 right here from Socks in the Basement. So how, how much of a, a realistic thing is this that you could be competing for the second base job here in 2022? <laughs> well, part of it was just a troll. I know, I know so many people out there uh, wanting uh, any sort of baseball content, you know, obviously with, with the current situation. But um, the other part of it is actually the team asked me to work on it um, over the offseason. I've been doing transfers and double play, play feeds and different stuff like that. Uh, since early part of November. So I'm feeling comfortable over there. I played like five games in Charlotte. Everything went well, but the pop-ups were, were a little little issue for me, um, you know, just because I've been on the, the left side of the diamond for so long, the, the pop-ups are a little different. But um, other than that, I felt pretty comfortable over there. Honestly, the, the ground balls aren't as uh, hard, you know, it's more routine type stuff. So, um, I, I mean, it's, it's realistic for sure. And, uh, you know, it's just, one of those things where I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever is asked of me. And that, that's kind of what ends up happening. So, um, but I, I like it over there. It's fun to learn a new position and uh, diversify your uh, game a little bit. So I, I looked up the stats to see how you did down in Charlotte as a fielder. And it, it noted a couple of errors. Was it, were they on the pop-ups or were they trying to do a transfer for double play? Like what, what, what did you struggle with when you were in Charlotte? Yeah. What were your errors, Jake? It was literally the exact same pop-up twice in the same game. <laughs> uh, like, legitimately, like, I don't think it could, like, uh, Matt Reynolds was our shortstop, and he had a night off, and he was down in the tunnel watching the game on the TV, and he thought it was a replay. Like, the second the second one I missed, he thought it was a replay. That's how, like, exactly the same it was. Um, but, yeah, like, those were those were the only two errors I made over there, like, I, I fielded everything else, turned turned to double play, fed a double play. So like that was the only issue, and uh, safe to say I had a lot of uh, pop up priority work uh, for for the next week. <laughs> I'll tell you this though, you you make me feel better as a mid forties, sixteen inch softball player when I drop two pop-ups in a game and I feel like an idiot. Now I'm like, hey, Jake Berger does it too. Like, I, I appreciate the fact that you're human, Jake. And so so here's the thing. You you kind of throw this out there that uh, second base might be an option. And then you post a video on Twitter. And immediately, and I know you saw it because I could tell your reaction to it. You, you kind of posted a few things afterwards. Immediately, you've got Twitter Sox fans saying, I can make that transfer. That isn't that good. What does he think? I mean, like, all of a sudden, all the experts came out. The Twitter comments were on fire. 
Do you did you read through that stuff and get a chuckle over it? Are, are you are is it laughable that that guys that uh, can can just grab the keyboard and start typing, you know, feel like they can critique your play at second base? Oh yeah, <laughs> it always like that was part of me posting it too. Just that you know, I wanted a good laugh. Um, I think like going through my my injury and there were like a lot of tweets. You know, like, this guy's a bust and all this stuff. Like I took it to heart during that time, and now I look back on it, I'm like. Who cares what anybody thinks? Like I'm, I'm confident in myself, and that's that's the way it's gonna go. And like honestly, it's kind of funny. Like, oh, he, he's not he's not putting his foot here. Like the the people that I thought were, were really funny, I would like comment back and uh, make a joke out of it too. You know, I, I know people are starved for baseball content, so uh, it was pretty funny seeing all the reactions on there. Well, you, you talk about the the you know getting over those things and not le- taking it to heart, but it sounds like you did take some of that stuff to heart when you were going through uh, your different injuries. And I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine who's never been in the public eye before. And I, I spent a long time ago, I was on the radio back in the day when there was no Twitter. And I was explaining to him that people used to sit down and actually write letters. They used to have to write on a piece of paper how much they hated me. And then they'd have to get a stamp and they'd have to put it in an envelope and they'd have to mail it and they'd have to wait three days for a response. And if I ignored them, it all went away. And that, and that was just me. Right. And that was just Ed writing it because he was my producer at the time and he, he didn't like me. But but the thing is that like people used to have to put an effort in to talk trash to you. Now mm-hmm. anybody with their phone can do it. And I told my friend... Just ignore that crap. It's garbage. Ignore it. Is, is that one of the reasons why you've now kind of uh, come up with this idea, this initiative, this burger bombs, this mental health thing because of the struggles that you went through back then? And now you kind of realize you got to let that stuff roll off, right? Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, two of the, the main burger bombs are open a book and meditate. And both of those things take you away from your phone. Um, I, I think that's that's a big, big portion of it. And like. I know a lot of my, my teammates and a lot of guys around the league like, don't even have social media on their phones during the season just because it's like everyone has, a, has an opinion and they have a right to that opinion, but you know that, that doesn't mean it's always the best thing to post. So um, that, that's a big emphasis on, on the Burger Bombs uh, community and just kind of being able to get away from your phone. I mean, even break a sweat, um, you know, working out and just getting outside, getting away from the screen time is uh, definitely uh, – crucial and and mental health for sure 106 in western chris lanuti here joined by jordan lazowski sacks on 35th the parade going by Southside irish parade you were astonished that this is two hours you looked at me like i was nuts yeah you know i guess i've never been to a big parade like this i'm like two hours all right i guess a lot of cool stuff coming by, though. Really cool stuff. It is one of the. It is the longest parade I ever marched in. Like I was in the Brother Ice marching band in the '90s. Yes, I'm a band nerd. Played a saxophone, and uh, and this 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 is like two and a half miles. It's you're exhausted by the end of this thing. This is a long parade. We're at Cork and Carry, 106th and Western. We're handing out koozies. We're pressing the flesh. We're CNX White Sox, uh, like, uh, folk heroes. John Cangelos is a folk hero, I would say. Right? Hey, I used to train at the Bodum. Cangelos is absolutely a folk hero to me. <laughs> All right. And uh, John gave me his number. I got I got John's digits. He's going to be on the show. He's like, he's like, he's like, I'll come on the show. I'm like, you're on anytime, John. We're going to get John at the bar, I think. Just sliding into the DMs, getting digits at a boy, Chris. That's, I'm, I'm rolling at the bar. I still got it, Jordan. All right. So, second base, pitcher, relief pitcher is done. There's got to be another pitcher, right? I mean, that's got to happen. And this show is going to air on Tuesday. We're standing here on Sunday. A lot could happen since when we talked. 
I don't know. But what do you think? Is it a trade? Is it a is it a free agent signing? Do you have a name in mind that you think is realistic? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the numbers to just adding up innings pitched expected for each Sox guy, like Keuchel's limited to 160. They don't want his option getting picked up, so he cannot pitch more than 160 innings. Michael Kopech's probably going to be on a 100-inning limit, so you want to save those for the postseason, too. You need a 3-4-5 type starter that's going to cost about $10 million, and that's where you start. So if it's free agency, don't expect anything too fancy. If it's via trade, Sean Manai is a popular name for a reason because he's a 3-4 type pitcher, and he only costs $10 million next year. There's a reason you're hearing that name a lot. So when you look at it, don't expect them to go to the top of the market because... Believe it or not, the Sox payroll right now is about $200 million. Crazy. Yeah, that's a little insane for me to say. Like, I love saying Jerry's cheap, but crazy. Yeah, $200 million is not something I thought I'd ever say in my life. So good for them. But at the same time, no, you're probably not getting close to that $230, or $230 million luxury tax. So there's going to be some trade-offs coming here soon. All right, all right. Hey, did you think that it was a failure by Han when you see Rodon go 2-44 that he didn't do the qualifying offer? Or do you think he doesn't get that deal if there's a qualifying offer attached? I think it's, I, I honestly think it's both. I do think that it was a failure by the Sox not to give him the qualifying offer. I would have loved a draft pick either way. At the same time, you know, two years, $44 million with an opt-out after the first year, I don't think Rodon gets that with a qualifying offer attached, especially from the Giants. So it's tough when you're looking through that where it's like, yes, they probably should have given it to him, but I feel less confident. I've I've since flip-flopped on Twitter. I feel less confident that he truly would have gotten that deal if they given him a qualifying offer. If they take it, like, that's not a bad thing if the Sox had gotten Rodon to take the qualifying offer. But at the same time, you can't really be sure. All right, Cork and Carey, 106th in Western. Uh, Jordan Jordan learned after uh, Sox on 35th and Sox in the basement combined that he's going to be drinking more. Like, how, even this is like your second or third bar on Western you've been to with me. Like, this is what you do now. You're like, how did this happen? Yeah, it's like, well, now i got to learn how to run a little bit more because I'm 24 and uh, I'm getting notes from my doctor like, hey, you better watch yourself. Really? Are you kidding? I'm 45. I'm out drinking you. Knock it off, kid. Yeah, I'm getting mixed signals over here. I got one party telling me one thing, you telling me another in my other ear. Just have your Guinness and relax, Jordan. You're 24 years old. All right, Socks in the Basement, Socks on 35th. Again, you know this. We're working together. We're having a great time together. We got events all year long. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, get out to Cork and Carry, 106th and Western. But remember, Cork and Carry at the park, the place, pregame, postgame, in-game. Uh, you know, they'll rent the place out. They got a huge tap in that place. It's in the shadow of the ballpark, 33rd in Princeton. It is expensive enough to go to a ballpark. Go and get some ballpark food, some goodies, some amazing award-winning burgers before you head in and watch the White Sox this year. We're going to finish off this show with our final contestant in a $1,000 guest bounty. I mean, I think it was obvious Liam Hendricks was going to be one of the three you can vote for. Playing for himself and his South Slida Foundation, a vote for Liam means that 1000 bucks goes to his foundation. We're going to listen to him right now and finish off the show and see you coming up on Friday from back at the bar where it won't be so loud. And uh, more Guinness? More Guinness. But you know what? I'm also surprised I was not one of the top three guests, Chris. I'm a no. little upset about that. <laughs> you're, you're big time, Jordan, but you're not that big time. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. I understand it. I'm willing to accept it. I was number four, right? Sure, sure, you are number four. (laughs) 
So are there any of your teammates that you are looking forward to seeing, you know, make, make an improvement or make a jump, you know, coming into this the next year? So I'm obviously partial to the bullpen, um, spending so much time with those guys out there. Um, one, I think Aaron Bummer had some of the worst luck I've ever seen at baseball last year with the amount of infield singles and ground balls that shouldn't get through any, any infield got through. Um, that was very hard to watch. But I think one of the biggest things for me is going to be continuing to watch the way that both Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet move forward in their different roles, whatever those roles are this coming year. But I think... One of the ones that I'm really excited about seeing is Ryan Hurth. Uh, seeing what he was able to do, seeing what he was able to kind of, how he was able to grow as not only a human being, but just his confidence growing on and off the field. I think it's something that uh, they can only play into what he's he's going to move forward to. And I think I'm, that's one of the big things I'm really excited for. But, I mean, if you want to look at the position player side, I think um, Andrew Vaughn's one of the ones. I, I, the amount he worked on his defense after never playing in the outfield before, it's something, uh, there's something very admirable about what he was able to do. And, and we had complete faith that he was going to try his darndest to make sure that every play got made out there. And that's, that's all you can ask for a vision. Well, sitting here at the end of the nine-foot homemade oak bar that we do the show from, I have a... Uh, a plaque that has former White Sox reliever Bobby Jenks celebrating on the mound. Uh, that's after he won the World Series. And I would like to put right next to it Liam Hendricks celebrating on the mound after winning the World Series sometime next year, okay? So uh, if you could do that for me, I, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, I just want you to know that we're all we're all pulling for you guys. Uh, we love this team. Uh, you know, this is baseball is not just a sport to me; it's a religion. And uh, I just absolutely love what you guys are doing. I think we've got a nice young team, and I'm excited about. It. I know Ed's very excited about absolutely. down here. And uh, we, we cannot wait to see you guys get going next year and uh, and watch this team take the next step. Yeah, we're excited. Obviously, that's our goal now. Anything it's uh, the World Series on bus. We've got the team that can do it. Now we just need to make sure we, uh, we have the finishing touches and, and make sure that everyone's in the right state of mind about making sure that they, they go about and earn whatever they're being given. And, and now that's what it is. Nothing's been given. We're going in there with a fresh slate. We've got the... 162 practice games to get to where we need to be, and that's what we're going to do. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.